This episode of Straight Up was recorded in September 2016. It features Michael Powell of the New York Times, Andrew Gerald Jones of WBAI and The Guardian, and Rhiannon Walker of ESPN's Undefeated, talking with me, Jarrett Murphy from City Limits, about activism in sports. So over the past few months, there have been a number of protests involving athletes and Black Lives Matter, uh, people wearing t-shirts, having press conferences, making statements, but the Collar and Kaepernick demonstration involving the, the singing of the national anthem appears to have galvanized people much more than anything before. Why is that? Well, I think a main thing in general is that it came directly out the blue from Colin Kaepernick because he had previously did this two regular season, two preseason games before and no one noticed it. And it led to um, Steve Weiss of the NFL Network asking him why was he sitting down during the national anthem. And his answer really started a lot of people not only because of what he said, but also coming from him directly because Colin had been a quarterback who doesn't necessarily like the glamour of being the marketable quarterback, say as Russell Wilson, or then examples of Tom Brady, or Peyton Manning, or Aaron Rodgers. And it was something coming from him as that source of being leading this whole process and this whole thought that made this more startling and got to the reaction that made it viral that it became. And just for him just having this whole stance and him doing this, and what the message that he was representing led to the whole explosion that we see right now and, and that continues to permeate through our conversations today. Yeah, I wonder, Michael, is it more surprising that it's Colin Kaepernick or that it took this long for someone to kind of be the, the athletic leader of this movement? You know, I mean, I think, I think political consciousness among athletes has been on the rise, it seems to me very clearly, for several years now. And you've seen it most notably in basketball, right? I mean, Carmelo Anthony, uh, LeBron James, and others have really taken head on some of the, some of the big issues uh, around police violence and other things affecting particularly African Americans. I think with Kaepernick, right, I mean, he had not been seen as a particularly um, political or maybe even worldly person. I mean, he had seemed very much involved in his career, which is fine. I mean, that's what most of mm -hmm. people are and most athletes are. And I, and I think that that probably did give it a little more power at first, was that there wasn't any expectation necessarily that he was going to lead the way on this discussion. Um, but now I think once he's done it, I mean, I think you're now starting to see a number of people coming forward and you know and then a kind of resonating for that reason. Randy, you've written about the fact that non-professional athletes have taken up these protests at, uh, in college, Grambling State, also some high school mm -hmm. students. Do you think that's because of the content of the protest or the, or the gesture, the kind of use of the national anthem and those kind of patriotic you know tidings of the game as a way of staging a protest? What do you think's attracted people to it? Well, you know, I wanted to actually add to Andrew and Michael's point very quickly that for people that may not have been paying attention to Collins' Instagram, he's been doing this since October. That's the thing is, like, I mean, he's been posting quotes about Black Lives Matter, about Martin Luther King, and various other black civil rights leaders over the last few months. And leading into it, he had been talking about police brutality and things of that nature. I think people need someone who shows no fear, is not afraid of, say, the consequences for him. He's, he's already a backup quarterback. I mean, you know, he's got more of a salary than most backup quarterbacks if you think about his salary from when he was a starter. But he doesn't have the same level of fears that others may have. In fact, it seems as though if he does not 
stay with the 49ers or somehow some way manages to get cut, he'd be perfectly fine continuing to advocate for people of color and black people that are disadvantaged because of systemic racism, because of police brutality and these things because that's important to him. I think what has changed is that here is Colin Kaepernick out here during one of the biggest in one of the biggest stages in one of the biggest sports, the biggest sport, this multi-billion dollar industry taking a stand when he knows, to Andrew and Michael's point, that he could be cut because he is the worst thing you could possibly be in any sport, a distraction. He could be ridiculed off the team. He could be alienated by his teammates. These are all possibilities, but he is still risking all that because this is all bigger than him, regardless of how much money he makes. He's still a black man in America. It doesn't matter how much money he has. So Colin is not the first person to take a stand. I mean, I remember during the Iraq war, Carlos Delgado wouldn't come out for the national anthem. He got some guff for that. Um, more recently, Jason Collins announced that he was openly gay player, the first to say that in the NBA. Those demonstrations made a stir, but they didn't kind of create a movement. So yeah. what, what, what is different now? Is it, the, is it Black Lives Matter as an idea, or is the atmosphere just more welcoming for this kind of demonstration? In regards to Carlos Delgado and Jason Collins, the reason why I guess their process and their stance didn't resonate, at least for, especially for um, Delgado, was the fact that at the time, no social media was around in 04. And what was also important that is being lost in that one is that the Toronto Blue Jays, at least his teammates, supported him fully. Um, the Blue Jays organization, they didn't play God Bless America. They stopped playing it, actually, after a certain amount of time because it became just a little redundant. And a lot of other MLB teams, even America, felt the same way, too, where really the New York Yankees were the only team that decided to play it constantly throughout every single home game because George Steinbrenner seemed like he became a military general <laughs> out of nowhere and thought that, oh, we're going to do this every seventh inning stretch before the seventh inning anthem. So it's taking to the ball game. I think the NBA, you know, the, both in fairness, I suppose, to the culture generally. I mean, you know, from the top down is a re reasonably progressive. But also the players have engaged in the NBA yeah. in a level of organizing that around issues. I mean, you think about the Scotty Sterling stuff with the Clippers, where they simply, the players simply said, we're not going to even play anymore unless you address the racism of the owner of this team. I mean, it was actually the, the players themselves and that was kind of an extraordinary moment. And football, by contrast, has always been, I think, the most conservative of the sports, both in sort of its culture and, and its politics, right? I mean, their labor union is by far the weakest. Uh, they, they've been essentially broken by the owners. Um, you know, as they say, most players don't have guaranteed contracts. So to some extent, and it is, you know, however we want to define that thing like this, um, you know, the American sport, right? I mean, is clearly the most popular, I think, by, you know, measured by television and all that sort of yeah, stuff of any sport. Yeah. So I think taking that on, you know, kind of, and, and for Kaepernick, there's not really a supportive culture. Whereas in the NBA, as I say, I mean, players have spoken out on, you know, their presidential selections, they've spoken out in the case of Carmelo for gun regulation against the NRA. Uh, LeBron's done the same. You just don't see that in the NFL until pretty recently. And that's why I think it's, it's kind of all the more remarkable. Also, I think, and maybe you can react to this, is Black Lives Matter is, is different from a lot of causes in that it, it's so broad and it's such an affinity 
um, phenomenon. You know, you, saying Black Lives Matter is a fact, um, it doesn't necessarily mean a particular like suite of policy ideas. It can it can mean a lot of different things. You know, if 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 the statement was about we need to you know reduce uh, coal emissions to prevent climate change, that's a much more specific policy. Yeah, don't uh, say that policy. to BP now. Right, be a little scared. Right, we wouldn't go over well in some states. Right, I mean, so Black Lives Matter is um, is large and important, but also it's it's somewhat amorphous, and I guess maybe that gives athletes more room to kind of find a part of it that's that's comfortable for them. I would agree with that. I would also say, uh, to your point about Delgado, well, to both your points about Delgado, Delgado is Puerto Rican, and his protest of the national anthem was because of the fact that Navy was in Puerto Rico, and he didn't, he didn't agree with that for the reasons that they were there. And so you may not, he's talking to a specific group of people, Puerto Ricans, which is smaller by nature and obviously bigger in New York, but that's not nearly as big as, say, Black Lives Matter, which is also advocating for just people of color in general. So that speaks to Asian people, that speaks to Hispanic people, that speaks to people that are uh, Native American, American Indian. It speaks to all groups that have been disenfranchised by, again, systemic racism, by the fact of the fact that their skin color is a darker hue. That's that. Um, and with Jason Collins, I mean, when we talk about compared to Colin Kaepernick versus him, is like he had a whole post in Sports Illustrated. Yeah. And you want to talk about motivation or reasons for why you're doing something, he went and got a whole article done yeah. about it. So people could, if you want to question somebody, Charlotte question that. Steve White had to go to Colin Kaepernick, who'd already sat in the first two games like we talked about, in street clothes, obviously. But he had to go to him and say, hey, why are you sitting? And he answered the question. Do athletes have the power to really change this conversation? Well, you know, this one to piggy before I answer that, I wanted to piggyback in regards to the NHL because the only statement we heard was from New York Rangers coach John Tortorella being part of this Mount Rush moron of coaches criticizing Kaepernick along with Tony La Russa, Mike Ditka, and Bobby Knight in trying to say that he did not want his players, if any of his players decided to protest in regards to sit-down national anthem, he would bench them. And that is what the NHL response to this amounts fully. And even with that, despite the coaches like that, that type of reaction I think it happened even with 1968 in regards to the Black Fist protest with, um, Tommy, with, with John Carlson and Tommy Smith because a, a protest that didn't get as much attention that really piggybacked off that was the 1972 protest of the 400 meter runners uh, Wesley Matthews and Colette. I don't want to date anybody, Michael, but uh, it, it is possible <laughs> that some of these events occurred closer to your own lifespan than others of us. So, so closer I, to my own lifespan, <laughs> even within my own lifespan. Perhaps even even during that. Still looking pretty young. Totally, totally. The day I'm 25. Uh, I mean, you know, do they have an impact other than just symbolic? Do they change the conversation? I mean, I don't know. I think all of these, those kind of discussions are always. I mean, they're important, but they're also amorphous, right? I mean, we never know. It's very rare you can point to one thing and say, you know, did that change everything? Did the march on Washington change everything? No. It was a, nonetheless, I mean, I think everybody would agree, right, in civil rights, that was an enormous moment. I think, you know, right, the Olympic uh, runners back in 68, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar speaking. I mean, there are a whole bunch of people, Bill Walton. I mean, there are a whole bunch of people who spoke out, and to some extent, they're, to some large extent, they're echoing what they're hearing in society. I mean, Kaepernick, you know, isn't leading a movement. He's responding to a movement, but he's also validating it and giving people within 
the sports world, which is this enormous sea of, you know, both men and women in America, you know, a, a way of talking about this. I mean, I've been struck. I've not covered sports most of my life. Most of my life I've covered, you know, poverty, politics, all kinds of things. In the couple of years since I've really started writing about uh, sport, I've been struck. There are more honest conversations, not always like pretty, but honest conversations about race and class than you'll ever hear in politics. I mean, not ever, that's, that's, that's overstating, but then, then you will often hear in politics. To the point, the original question we talked about with the 1960s, 1970s protests, is like these things have always been present. And you also have to consider the fact that there were a lot of things happening that there were reasons to have causes for. You have the 1968 Olympics, you have the civil rights movement, you have the women's rights movement, you have the Vietnam War, you have so many things to feel some type of way about. Um, and, if you were, and if you know anything about sexuality, the Stonewall, Stonewall movement at that point in time too, you have things to take a stand on. In the last few years, maybe that has not been the case. Maybe you had a stand on the Iraq war, things of that nature, but there just haven't been that same level of things in that same time span. In addition to the fact that during the 1960s, I think it was a little bit easier because you didn't have to necessarily worry so much about TV contracts. TV contracts changed a lot about sports. Just, money, hand over fist, was suddenly introduced to these guys. And where are you going to find a job that's going to pay you at like a minimum wage of $350,000 a year? I would jump at a job like that. <laughs> Talking about the Colin Kaepernick protest and the reaction to it, some people were offended by the specifics of his deed, and some with the idea that he had introduced politics, what's supposed to be fun and kind of diverting. And obviously, that's that's insane, especially in the context of the NFL, because you know, as folks have said, it there is already so much political programming involved in your broadcast. It's heavily patriotic, ble bleeding into militaristic. There's materialism. There's misogyny. Um, do sports, particularly the NFL, why do they have this conservative imprint? Where does that come from? It's been it's been around since the early 1900s. I mean, if you think about it, it's for, except from World War One, with at least with the Star Spangled Banner, the national anthem, it's just like you're coming out of wartime. You're trying to build up morale as a country. You have the playing of the national anthem happen because you have military bands that are performing at sports venues, and so that's something that kicks off. And then in the 1930s, I forget it, it must have been I can't think of the president who did it, um, Hoover, I think, who signed an executive order that this was something that would continue from here on out. It's just like you know we might you know we've been doing this for a while now. It's something that has been informal, but now we're going to formally introduce it into our sports leagues. And actually, something that Stephen A. Smith brought up that I thought was very interesting on Sports Take, or excuse me, First Take, was that since 2009 they've been playing the national anthem, and really it's a lot because they've been paid by the military to do these things, to introduce this militarism to sports. If you don't think about it, it's just there. Yeah. It's just present. You just stand and you contribute to it by you know putting your hand over your heart, taking your hat off. We do certain things because we do. Like, for instance, I know at the seventh inning at any baseball game I cover, we're going to go take me out to the ball game. I have no issue with that. I'm just saying that we go, we do it every oh, single not time. Anti every single time without fail. So I'll admit that I, I always stand up, hand over heart. I actually sing the words. Because well, uh, you only sing it for a yeah, stanza. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, I can't question his preaching. But, no, yeah. absolutely not. But um, Yankee Stadium, where I go as a, as a visiting fan, um, <laughs> not only do they sing God Bless America still, but they used to yeah. do it. I don't know if they still do. They used to say you're standing up for the, the troops fighting to defend our way of life, which always struck me as right. a rather broad Whose way of life, exactly? And, because. And, and so, but I wonder about, I always look at the athletes to say, I mean, they're doing it by rote. They have to come out for that. Um, are athletes generally conservative? I mean, they're an interesting group, right? They're all union members. They're also incredibly wealthy. 
Some of them have a college education, some don't. Um, so compared to other demographic groups, it'd be kind of hard to, to fix them. Do you think they have a political identity? Well, that, that's if you look at it from the perspective of them being from maybe middle class, white, generic athlete perspective and, and not thinking of certain athletes that may be black or Hispanic that may have been impoverished or grew up and not having the resources and maybe have had a mindset where they don't want to be conservative on a lot of issues, that they know that they want to have equality in the household, especially in regards to their mothers getting equal pay and having that whole distinction and having those whole thoughts. And it's something where it says overall where you have this perspective where you see all the NFL owners, 32, are white. You have a thing where you see Jerry Richardson of the Carolina Panthers help influence Frank Lentz to talk to Cam Newton on policy. You know, you have Jerry Jones who made sure when everything happened in Dallas with the shootings to be beside the police and make sure that we stand for the police. You have Donald Trump and Robert Kraft's box for the New England Patriots and him being his friend. So you have all these types of, like, of, of middle of the road centrist or even conservative perspectives overall that, that permeate in regards to this whole image of this standard white suburban living, especially more middle class or higher, that's the whole thought process when someone thinks that maybe athletes won't be progressive or this whole thoughts and you miss out on stories of Eton Thomas, you miss out on stories on Carlos Delgado, who by the way also is like quite the pacifist and a lot of people don't know that and, and, and also besides protesting U.S. military action in Puerto Rico and the bombings, protested against Iraq and Afghanistan, and you miss all yeah, of these but, perspectives. But, but on stuff. the other hand, I will say, I mean, I do think there are complications, like, for instance, I mean, most of oh, his, yeah. of Kaepernick's team, black teammates, that is, uh, you know, stand, and, and some have made even a point of kind of standing even like taller yeah. and prouder, right? So mm -hmm. it gets yeah, complicated. Agree, yep. Certainly when I was interviewing people outside of the stadium, there were more, I mean, he certainly had more support among the African-American fans I spoke to, but there were also a lot of them said, like, yeah. I'm military, I have sons and daughters in the military, I, uncle, whatever, I believe in standing for the American. Colin Kaepernick has, perhaps helpfully, probably helpfully, blurred the line between sports and politics, right? And I guess the question is, do we still want there to be some line? Like during the Olympics, right? I don't know how many of you watched Olympic judo, uh, but there was this match between an Israeli guy and an Egyptian guy, and the Israeli guy destroyed the Egyptian guy, uh, beat him like 27 to nothing, and refused to really fully bow or shake his hand, which is quite shocking in kind of the fraternity of the sport. It might have just been poor sportsmanship. It might have been cultural. It might have been political. And so one wonders, it like was these, pretty certainly political. Well, we yeah. think so, right? Yeah. But so, yeah. so we have yeah. these, like, and I thought I will say I thought poor sportsmanship. Right. By the way, bet, I bet think that you want to like make your protest, figure out another way to do it. Yeah. But if you're going to get in a ring with a dude or a woman, you're equal, so I'm right. sorry. Yeah, then you've committed to like treating that person as somebody worthy of respect, basic do you think, respect. Do you think that rule will apply to, so in the NFL we have defensive players who have said they don't like Collins' protest. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to have an opportunity to drive him into the turf at some point. Are we going to wonder if the late hit has a little extra stank on it because of a political beef? Like, do we, Should there be some place where 
politics stops. It used to be at the water's edge, supposedly. Uh, you know, should it stop at the at the edge of the turf or not? How is that? I mean, I would wonder how is that that possible? I mean, this is not just a kids' game. The money that is coming from all these different places, left and right, polit political and other places, it, it's it's impossible. Especially when you voluntarily introduce these things into the game. Again, it's not just a kids' sport. These guys go out there, they make these millions of dollars, and it's not just because it's like these fans are coming to the game. There's a lot more involved in just that, and so. I mean, if someone comes after Colin Kaepernick, who has been very openly opposed to what he's been doing, you're proving his point. He's just, he is taking a stand. It is not meant to offend anybody. It's just like if you're reading too far into it, that's one of the biggest things that has happened so far is that people are missing the message. You're so offended by what he is doing. You make it about the military. You make it about the troops. You make it about the flag. The flag is a garment. Truth be told, the flag is a garment, as is that song. The song does not need to be played. The song is played, but it does not need to be played. But the message that he is trying to send is that there is a problem in this country. Country, and his critics have been extremely quiet the last week. Did we forget that two days in a row we had two black men killed? We had two black men killed back-to-back -back days in July, too, for that matter. It's just like there are real-life issues, real-life consequences that are happening to people in our society, and you all care more about the fact that a man is doing a silent protest than the fact that there are people out there that are losing their lives. That is a problem. That is a huge problem. And again, if you decide to have an issue with what he is saying through mediums of violence, obviously the sport allows for that, but if you're putting a little bit of extra stank on your hits on him yep. to prove some greater point. You're still proving his point. You're not doing anything against <laughs> exactly. his point. Like, I hate to break it to you, but congratulations, you played yourself. And it's just like, and you may just cost your team 15 extra yards at that for that matter. Um, yep. And it's just, it shouldn't come down to, you should be able to be a reasoned adult to listen to both sides of the argument and say to yourself, okay, what is Colin saying? Why is he doing this process? It's not just for him. It's for people that don't have the voice. And that's the thing is that we ask our athletes to be these role models. We ask them to use their platform for good, to bring about change and all these different things like that. Okay, so now one is doing what? Donald Sterling lost a basketball team because he said some odious things that you know, most people in the country hopefully disagree with. Um, an athlete could say something equally unpopular that we do or don't agree with and ownership could say, this tarnishes the product we're putting out there, you're no longer on my team. Would that be right? Well, well, we have that with Steve Clallinger, as we just saw that in regards to him being the stupidest backup catcher in history and making himself, himself get fired. And, you know, you want to have, I'm a free speech advocate, but you, there's consequences to certain free speech, and that's going to happen, and especially if it's hate speech. But it's just important where we have an ability to compartmentalize things. And we clearly haven't seen that in regards to how people have taken this whole military angle from what he said. And it's something Something overall where, again, I think that is important that everyone has a right to say what they want to say, but that there's consequences to what certain people say, especially if it's abhorrent and pretty terrible in regards to society. In contrast to a quarterback who is a backup quarterback at the moment, who didn't need to do this or whatnot, who wasn't even publicly doing this, who is saying to himself, please do not shoot black people in regards to just our rights overall and that we can have restrained control best policing who's urging that and yet some people somehow disseminate from that message oh he is talking against the military or whatnot. We really have to compartmentalize and slow down things and really try to see these perspectives overall instead of trying to label our own emotional perspectives in regards to this. Because like, I've talked about this with Clevenger. Right. I completely disagree with what he said. Mm -hmm. But should he have been suspended? No, no, no. no. Well, yeah, should he have been suspended? I mean, in other words, yeah. like, good. I mean, there's a part of me that thinks, like, good, yeah. surface the issue. Let's, like, 
as you say, I mean, you go, and I think you're absolutely right. You go into like a baseball, you know, locker room, and not by any means all, but many of the players, right, the white players in particular, you know, quite conservative politics, right? Like, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're racist politics, but quite conservative politics. Surface it, right? And should, I mean, I don't know, you know, look, because of the nature of what Clevenger said, I mean, he said, you know, I, I believe, you know, those animals should be locked up, right? Yeah. But if he'd said, let's just say he had spoken vaguely more wiser, right, wisely, and said, those, those demonstrators, what they're doing is abhorrent and they should be locked up. There's nothing wrong with that. You have free yeah. speech. If, even if someone disagrees with what they're saying, it's just like, you didn't, I mean, you spoke your opinion. Like, Colin Kaepernick is speaking, a lot of what he's saying is backed up by fact. What Clevenger is saying based on opinion, and that's another thing that you have to make a huge distinction on, is just like, if you feel like they're being loud or obnoxious, it's like, actually, that could be a fact, too, because it's like, they are, like, demonstrations, <laughs> a lot of demonstrations can be quite loud and it can be yeah. quite obnoxious. It's like, that it can be a fact for a lot of people. Just here at uh, Straight Up, we do our best to introduce levity into very, very serious subjects because somebody has to. Uh, so we're going to play a drinking game now. Uh, and the drinking game involves uh, political statements by athletes who perhaps um, weren't quite as cogent in discussing politics or religion or the intersection of the two as Colin Kaepernick was. I'm going to read the quote. And you dip into your memory banks and try to figure out who it was. Oh, and the first person who says oh, the right name doesn't have to drink and the rest of us have to. Okay? okay? All right. So the first one is, this is the quote, Donald is a good friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. I support all my friends. He's always been so supportive of me for the last 15 years since I judged a beauty pageant for him, which is one of the very first things that I did that, thought, that, I, that I thought was really cool. That came along with winning the Super Bowl. He's always invited me to play golf. Tom Brady. Oh, Tom Brady. Called it. Jinx. I called Jinx. it. I called Jinx. it. I, that's a tie, so I'm afraid Michael. Yeah, has to... come on. All right. That's all right. I'm really competitive. I was, hey, I was like, can I? Is it? Is it like like Jeopardy or not Jeopardy? Like, uh, no, it's Jeopardy where you can buzz him before he finishes asking yeah, a question. Right. I, I was, I was all right, number sure. two. Number two. I was sitting there looking at. I was like, that was a layup. I, I thought I was gonna blow that set up. <laughs> I was wait. I knew as soon as he said, I was just like, it's, he's a good friend. I was like, oh, I know exactly who. This one might be actually be more offensive. Quote. Jews are stubborn, E, but tell me, why did they persecute Jesus unless he knew something they didn't want to accept? They had his blood on their hands. Oh, Charlie Ward? Charlie Ward, oh, former Knicks point guard, yes. Charlie good. Ward, yeah, interviewing him. I should have asked him that one. <laughs> Actually, maybe just as well you didn't. Yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> that would really awkward. All right, number three, quote, she gave classified information on hundreds, if not thousands, of emails on a public server. After what happened to General Petraeus, she should be buried under a jail somewhere. Who said that? Donald Trump. No, he's an athlete. Oh my God. Wait, go ahead, keep going. Keep going. She gave classified information on hundreds, if not thousands, of emails on a public server. After what happened to General Petraeus, she should be buried under a jail somewhere. Uh. I'll give you a hint. He had a bloody sock at some point. Oh, oh, oh Kurt Schilling. Ah, all right. Kurt yes. Okay, so I was he wins that one. So. I should have gotten that off the first bat. Oh, Kurt. You gotta love him. All right, last <laughs> one. Formerly of ESPN. Last one. It's no common comment. sense. Do you see animals mating with the same sex? Animals are better because they can distinguish male from female. If men mate with men and women mate with women, they are worse than animals. Can I get a hint? Um, he's also a legislator in his country. In his country. Oh, Manny Pacquiao. Very good. There we go. Are you the man? 
You're never going to get drunk at this level. I know, right? Yeah. This is like I'm you're beating, you're defeating the purpose of the game. Well, uh, here's a toast to Manny and all the other great <laughs> athletes that we yep. have to listen so you to. Get, right. Guys, I got two drinks, so I'm already tipsy right now. Do you have two phones too while you're at it? Yeah, I wish I was balling like that. Mm. Straight Up is produced by Megan Donis and Sriyanka Ray and is recorded on location at Bedford Hall in Brooklyn. For more information, visit brickartsmedia.org.